Hi, this is Abe Hefter, and welcome to You Heart to Hartford. Here we take you inside the University of Hartford, and the story's being told by the many talented people who are the University of Hartford, faculty, staff, students, alumni. The experience and experiences they're sharing on our West Hartford campus and beyond. Meet Doug Goodstein, 92 graduate from the School of Communications. Doug is a very talented storyteller with more than 25 years of creative media and entertainment experience. His career spans from entertainment and talk to comedy and news and includes credits producing, directing, writing, editing, and everything in between. You can read all about it and see much more on his uh, website, dawesgoodmedia.com. We've provided a link to Doug's work on our homepage. Doug, thank you for joining us on You Heart to Hartford. Thanks for having me. What an intro. Wow. (laughs) Well, first of all, please tell us about your experience and experiences as a School of Calm student at You Heart, um, you know, and, and why you became a storyteller and how You Heart successfully prepared you for a successful career. Yeah, well, I I came into I knew since I was about ten years old what I wanted to do, which which was what I thought I wanted to do, I should say, which was to be a television reporter. But I always knew I wanted to be someone who worked in media with cameras. So I knew that from ten years old when I met a guy who worked on Good Morning America, one of the on-air talents in my town, doing a story, and that was the light that that lit um, in fifth grade. So. Uh, I came into school, I was pretty focused. I think it's, you know, a lot of students these days seem to be focused on what they want to do or have a good idea, but some don't. I did. And uh, it just, I knew the path I was going for at the finish line. So I, you know, before I started, I knew that I knew where the finish was, uh, what my objective was for the finish line was to be in media. What spoke to you, I guess, as, as a young man uh, that put you on this path? I don't know. I was just in, I was just infatuated with the camera. I just saw this big TV camera, and I just was like, "Wow, that is so cool!" Uh, and I, that's that was that was it. Just seeing a cool camera and thinking the whole process was neat, and seeing them do their reports and how the camera crew worked and the lighting and the audio and the and the on-air talent. It just it really just spoke to me at a young age. How did uh, you heart successfully prepare you for your career? It's a very good question. I knew what I wanted to do, like I've said so many times in the first minute and a half here. <laughs> um, but I, I, it prepared me because I knew there were opportunities. I looked at uh, whether there was a school newspaper, which I knew I would, at some point I'd want to write for. Uh, there was a developing television program, which uh, when I first got there my freshman year, I don't think it existed, but I think it was evolving and I knew it was on the horizon. So that spoke to me. Uh, and forming relationships with professors that really made me a standout. I mean, I knew really clearly that I was going to have a, a use the professors for more than just uh, sitting in a classroom for 45 minutes to an hour or whatever it is, um, but to, to work with them, to take information out of them, to use their context for them to help facilitate my career as I was still a student. And I did that primarily with Dr. Roger Desmond. Doug, storytelling, uh, there are many ways to tell a story. So how is it that you tell the stories the way that you do now professionally? Yeah, well, storytelling is you you always want to talk to your subject if you can. Um, 
if they're involved in the process. If it's something that's obviously news, you can't really um, prepare too much. It's sort of on the fly. But if it's something that you're in production for to do a story and tell a story and tell someone's, whether it's their brand, them personally, their uh, whatever it is, it's, it's speaking to them, listening. Tell me what you want. Tell me about yourself. Tell me um, what your end, your end result, what's your objective. And just listening and then formulate everything from there, whether it's through a video that you shoot that's um, original content, pulling images, pulling headlines from newspapers, uh, the interview questions. It's just it's putting it all the pieces of the puzzle together to tell that story in the most concise, short, sometimes into the point. And sometimes it, you know, it speaks to maybe it is a, is more prolonged, but just getting it all in there and not overproducing, oversaturating, and just putting all the pieces of the puzzle that make compelling, unique, and interesting, most importantly, content that someone's going to want to digest and watch and engage with. Doug, your credits are quite extensive um, from entertainment to talk, comedy to news. I guess when it comes to your style of storytelling, are there common approaches that you take and are there approaches that are unique to each? Uh, yeah, it depends. I mean, in a broad stroke, it's really starting at the finish line. I use that term all the time because at the end of the day, you need to know where you're going and what the objective is. So that's how I approach everything. You know, whether it's a reality series or, or a one-off special or a news piece or a, a script for a host intro, like what is what is the finish line? Where are we going with this? What is it teeing off to? Or what is it, what's the call to action that this piece of content is going to solicit? So how do you help organizations successfully tell their stories? You listen to them. You find out what they want to do, what they want this piece of content to do. Do you want it to raise awareness? Do you want it to bring in fundraising? Do you want it to tell a story? Do you want it to um, evoke emotion? Do you want it to be viral? I mean, it's really just finding out all these different tentacles that a piece of content and a story can tell. What's the objective? Where is it all the above? You know, so that's that's really um, storytelling to me is what the, that finish line. What's the uh, where are we going? You know, at, the, at that at the end of that road at the finish, there's many different paths and different roads and avenues you could take. Right. Which one do you want to be on? Uh, technology is 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 always changing. It's evolving uh, in sort of the production arena as well how do you how does your organization stay on top of technology you know the latest shiny object that's out there and i guess make a strategic decision as to you know what technology works going forward and 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 how you sort of embrace it in the production process and i guess you know how you make the decision to well we're going to pass on this this shiny object because it doesn't help yeah, you know, it, it's such a tough question, and I'd love to say I know I'm the expert and I know everything about this. I don't, and I thought I do, but then, you know, a week goes by and things change, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's algorithms with different social media platforms or just the way uh, it, it just changes so often or a new piece of technology comes out. There's so many advantages that students these days have because they're so technologically advanced. 
uh, over an older generation. We might be experts and I might say I'm an expert, but I got to tell you, there's probably students in school right now that could be a freshman or, or even younger, not even in college yet, that, that could uh, outdo many <laughs> professionals in the business because they're so immersed and engaged and engrossed in this stuff. And you could say, get off your goddamn phone, you know, but <laughs> they that what they're doing in learning these these um, platforms like TikTok or Instagram, right. Snapchat. Like, this is no joke. This isn't just a waste of time. These are like multi, probably trillion at some point soon uh, businesses that it's it's where that's where things are. And as much as it um, it sucks when when kids are and probably it hits the colleges and professors say, oh, get off the phones, you know, let's learn, learn <laughs> the old fashioned way. But um, yeah, I mean, the technological technological advantage that students have these days is just like through the roof. How do you marry uh, video production with with social media? So we're talking technology. And why is it critical for organizations to do so when they're looking to get their messages across? Oh, yeah. You, it's, it's crucial because it, just look at any of the statistics. All the statistics show that, you know, traditional broadcast television is like almost like an old school platform. It's all about engaging content and, and immersing yourself and being on these devices and listening and watching stuff on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram and YouTube. And with, uh, you know, if you're not realistic that, oh, we'll, we'll do it the old fashioned way. I mean, you're dead. There's no brand on earth that is just uh, advertising their products or their services or their or their their brands just on broadcast television. The statistics are mind blowing. If you just put up 2020 uh, video marketing statistics in a, in a Google search and just you'll see article after article after article with documented attributed statistics that show how insanely uh, the, the mass volume and the mass numbers of engagement to video specifically, I think was your question, mm -hmm. uh, are on social media platforms. That's where people are consuming. So you have to go where the consumption is, and that's on social media platforms with video. You put up text, the odds of someone reading it are small. You put up uh, two paragraphs, the odds are about zero that they're going to get to the end. You put up a photo, they might engage for one or two seconds and, and swipe or whatever or move on. You put video, they're going to engage a little bit longer. But even then, the attention span is real small. It's like seconds, like two or three seconds is the average engagement uh, time you have to pull someone in, even with video, which is one of the best forms of, um, of engaging someone's eyeballs. Right. Uh, so you just got to know, you got to know all the stats, you got to know the algorithms, you have to know what works on each platform, the length of video, the, the um, you know, even down to the aspect ratio of how you want to produce the video. And it's just so much to know, and it changes it all the time. I wish I knew it all, but I, I, I don't. <laughs> Can we play, uh, do a little role play here? Sure. Okay, so... Um... Doug, I know your work from uh, Dawes Good Media. I've seen your portfolio. It's awesome stuff. I um, I work with the Alumni Association and to host podcasts, you heart to uh, uh, Hartford, and um, I'm looking uh, for some help from you and your organization. Perhaps ways to incorporate, you know, visuals and and sort of that side of the production world to these podcasts. Can you help me? How could you help me? 
to put visuals to your podcast? Yeah, to incorporate visuals into what we do. Yeah, I would say um, make sure you don't do it just to do it. Because mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day, the, the reality, I'm very realistic. I'm very blunt with people. The reality is people might not want to see you, Abe. No offense. <laughs> no offense to you. Uh, I mean, we're doing this on audio right now. But right. If, if you put yourself on camera, you better be prepared to be really good. Not good looking. It doesn't matter. I'm not mm-hmm. talking about looks. It's just you better be good on camera because if you're not good and your room is not lit properly and the framing's not proper and your microphone sounds, you know, or, uh, there's so many variables. So I would say don't do it just to jump on the bandwagon. Do it because you're confident, you're certain, you've done some research that people your audience wants to see you mm. and feels like the show would be enhanced by seeing you. Uh, so it's not just a podcast, but it's a, it's a video podcast now. And, uh, you know, with that comes a lot of responsibilities and a lot of technological uh, advances you would need. Like I said, the audio, the microphones, the right. cameras, the lighting, uh, and the graphics, the show intro, it's all visual. You're going to be critiqued in a split second. So if it looks like crap, guess what? If you have 20,000 people in your audience on a podcast and then you put the visual to it and it doesn't look good, you might now have five because it looks like a piece of garbage. So hmm. do things right. I said, don't just do things to do things because you only get a, a one chance to make a first impression. I know it's an old cliche, but it's so true because if you look, you're going to judge by that. There's too many options out there. So if something doesn't look good, guess what? Right. They're, they're done. You know, you know, it- just in this little 30 second conversation that we had, um, I, I, I so see your point about sort of the honesty associated with the conversation and expect, and I guess managing expectations when it comes to the work that you do for your clients. Yeah. You have to be re- realistic. I said, if you don't have enough money, you don't have the budget. If you, if you're not going to do it right, don't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's sometimes some things, but you have to weigh the options carefully. I've done some stuff for charities and they don't have a lot of money. And at the end of the day, it, the takeaway is not so much what it looks like. The takeaway is the content and the and the substance of that conversation and the message that they're giving. So I said, absolutely, we could do this on a Zoom call. Just get all 10 of your board members on the Zoom. And I put together a cool video for them. Mm-hmm. And really, it wasn't about, I don't, I mean, if they look bad, if they weren't framed or lit, I, I color corrected and I framed up the shot better um, in, in editing. But uh at the end of the day, the message there is some medical advice for this nonprofit that you're going to get a good takeaway from. And that was instantly uh, conveyed at the very beginning. We're going to tell you how to do this in this video. Mm-hmm. Boom. So if it didn't look good, it almost didn't matter. It happened to do look good because I made it look good. Right. But, um, but the messaging was there. So, you know, it's you have to just weigh the options. You have to be realistic with someone. So I'm saying, I want to be famous. I want to do a celebrity blog and it's coming from your basement with crappy lighting <laughs> and the audio looks terrible and you have no celebrity guests and you have no graphics and you, and you have no, in, you know, you just don't want to do that. So that's where maybe weighing the option for just doing an audio uh, (laughs) audio (laughs) podcast just a traditional podcast may make more sense doug what what are some of the projects that you've worked on that you've like you'd like to talk about sure i mean i've done i've done a lot i have a real my the juxtaposition of my career people scratch their heads like how did you do all that stuff it's just so they're all so different uh give you a quick walk through the career if you'd like sure Sure. Um, so right out of college, actually, <laughs> the day after graduation, I started working at ABC News Wow. Uh, in 92. And my first job there was um, 
for the, I might have the order wrong, but I think it was the Democratic Convention, Democratic National Convention in New York City, followed by the Republican National Convention in Houston. And then uh, right after that, I was hired by ABC. Spent two years at ABC, uh, which is the dream job, but I started at the network level and that became a problem for me because it wasn't what I wanted to do. I wasn't able to do what I wanted to do, which was be on air. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a reporter. Um, so that didn't work out, even though I was doing off-air reporting uh, like about a few months after I got there, which was great. But it was at the network level, a little too serious for me. So I started looking for other jobs. I'll make this long story short, but I applied <laughs> through sending a resume in the mail to a company called E Entertainment Television, now yeah. called just E. And they happened to be looking for uh, staff for a new show that was developing, which happened to be the Howard Stern Show. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> and I happened to have had cross paths, not cross paths, but we our career, um, the guy that was hiring, the executive producer, and I had worked for the same commercial film director. It was like I spent, I think, not even a month at this job. Uh, freelance as a production assistant. And he worked for this guy too. And he called me just because he was so curious to compare stories because the guy was sort of crazy, this director. And we became friendly. He told me he had something brewing. And next thing you know, the job was there and I got hired. And uh, I say long story short, because I spent 19 years with Howard Stern and the Howard Stern show. Wow on the television side. I worked my way up from associate producer, producer, senior producer, supervising producer, and ultimately about nine years as the executive producer and VP of production and development at uh, in-demand networks for Howard TV. Hmm. I have to ask you, what's, what's it like to work for and with Howard Stern? It was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. It was wild. It was crazy. And it was very professional. Um, you know, people think it would be this crazy, nutty job, but it was, it was, it was a job and, um, I enjoyed it. I had a really great group of people on the television side that I worked with and, uh, it was just a fun show to, to be around. Uh, we were there really at the peak of the show and it just was in three markets and we watched it explode into this big, massive, uh, juggernaut and, and it's popular show that, you know, at the height of his popularity mm. and just. It was fun. It was just, you saw everything. You got to do everything. It wasn't just Howard on the radio. It was like we did all kinds of productions and we did remote shoots and we did one-off specials and we did uh, reality series and we did uh, behind-the-scenes shows and we did loosely scripted shows. We did documentaries. I mean, it was really cool. I really had had the reins and was able to do a ton of production that really just sort of expanded beyond just a radio show put on television which I'm proud of. Doug, what what advice do you have to School of Communication students at the University of Hartford? You know, when, when you I guess when you look back at your career and and what what advice you could can offer those who look to forge similar careers. You know, I know you run the internship program and and I ran it when I was at E for many years so I had dozens and dozens of interns that that I hired. And uh, you know, I would look for very specific things a professional resume, someone who's dressed properly, someone who really maintains eye contact. But besides that, just someone who seems passionate and hungry and not just uh, looking to get college credit, but someone who really, you could you could really feel that out. Someone who has some kind of experience already, Not, but I know that's hard. You don't need that. Obviously, you're a student looking for an internship to get experience, mm-hmm. but 
people who have said, oh, I, you know, I learned taught myself how to edit or I learned how to, I know how to videotape, I know how to run a camera. And, you know, those are the kind of things that jumped out. Um, just people who seem really focused, students that are focused, like I want to be, you know, don't just come in and say, oh, I want to be in television or I want to be in media. I want to, I want to make content like a little more specific. I want to be an editor. I want to be a producer. I want to be a writer. Just when students have that focus, you could sort of decipher that they're serious and they've already carved out a little bit more of a niche than just speaking in broad strokes. Doug Goodstein, UHart Class of 92, is an executive producer and managing partner at Dawes Good Media. His production credits include ABC News, Comedy Central, E! Entertainment, The Lincoln Project, Fox News Channel, and Howard Stern, among many others. Doug, it was a joy to have you on UHart to Hartford. Thank you for this. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it.